Before you dive into today's episode of Tactical Tuesday, I just wanted to take a second to let you know that John and I are putting together the first CPG meetup game at the Sahara on June the 5th. It's a Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you were in Vegas, we would very much like it if you stopped by and said hi, maybe played some cards with us, hung out, all that jazz. So Sunday, June 5th, Sahara, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Going to be lots of villagers, going to be, um, you know, me, John, maybe Coach Thomas, Humberto, Duncan from Philosophical Friday, just uh, the whole crew, anybody that can make it that's in the community as well as past podcast guests. So we hope to see you then. Now, enjoy the show. Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. John. John, how you doing, sir? Doing good. How are you, Brad? I'm doing well. About to be hitting Vegas in the near future. Going to be checking out the WSOP, meeting up with villagers and podcast guests and, you know, you and Shu and all the peoples. It's I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. We're going to win a tag team bracelet this year, right? Me, that's you, and the, Chu. That, that's the plan. <laughs> tag team bracelet, even though... We're not going to be in Vegas during the tag team event. We're going to manifest it somehow. Yeah, the dream. Maybe one year. <laughs> the dream. Uh, we, we do plan on putting together a meetup game for the villagers at, you know, in Greatness Village. So if you would like to participate or hang out with me, John, and Shu, there may or may not be edibles involved. I, I don't know yet, um, but some... Small stakes, meetup game, uh, hit greatnessvillage.com, join the community, and there's going to be some details. Like it's going to be a there. soft, soft game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If, if, if I'm playing 1-3, the game's probably going to be pretty good. Uh, I don't know about your 1-3 skills, but mine uh, start deteriorating quite rapidly. <laughs> um, it becomes like, oh, I, I'm not playing for really money or profit let's just have fun um, which turns into yeah me going all in a lot rebuying a lot yeah so come uh if you want the details on how to get into this juicy juicy game uh which is probably going to take place in uh, about a week and a half join the village yeah greatestvillage.com so what's our theme for today's episode uh so the theme today is whether I was kind of asking the question of whether I should have raised or not with a very, very good hand. Um, in one hand, this first hand, I decide not to raise. And in the second hand, I do raise uh, when I make a really, really good hand. And I just had questions about whether raising was appropriate, whether flatting is better. Um, so yeah, let's just get into it. All right, let's check it out. So the first hand, 
Looks to be played at 500 no limit. I'm not sure if it was uh, zone or regular speed. This one was reg speed because I, I remember the button being a reg. Okay, so reg speed, you've got nines in the small blind. The button opens to 2.5x, very reggy. You three bet to 55, and villain calls. You get a flop of 9-8 deuce, monotone, all spades, so you flop top set. There's 115 in the pot. Effective stack is 465. So tell me about this first decision point. Yeah, I mean, uh, we could... Uh, this is not the point that I really want to talk about in the hand, but I think um, there definitely is a decision as to whether to bet my top set or check. Uh, my general strategy on monotone boards is to play very, very tight um, and generally just check range on the flop. Um, that being said, I think nines is like a hand that, you know, nothing terrible can really happen. We have top set. We have a hand that can improve versus the flush. We don't mind getting all the money in on the flop or um, on later streets. So putting in money now is fine. I think one of the benefits of uh, checking a hand this strong is, especially versus a reg, is um, just having a more protected checking range, having hands that can uh, either check raise for value after checking as a preflop three better or, or call down um, if the button does decide to put all the money in. Yeah, it's really nice having boats in your check call range when mm -hmm. the board pairs on the Turner River. Mm -hmm. um, also, like splitting your range here maybe tough to manage um i yeah. would say like th there is some benefit to betting the flop uh which would be that you can ensure the money gets in um over three streets when you seed initiative a uh, villain can check back they can bet the flop they can check back the turn um so you know they're just in more control as to whether or not all the money goes in and you have a hand where you would prefer if the money went in so mm -hmm. yeah that would be the merit to betting but uh, i'm down with checking. I, I think checking is probably my preferred way to go uh, on, on this board. Yep. So that is what I do. Generally just going to be playing, again, like I said, pretty tight on monotone boards. I check and the button bets uh, about a third pot, but it's 3390 into the 115 in the middle. Um, I think, again, this is where I really had the question of, is it better to raise or call and have like a really nice hand or, you know, just protect my call down range and just have a really nice hand that that can very easily call all three streets for all the money yeah i think it's um a bit of again more competing incentives right i think like on the one hand you could check raise if you did check raise we're relying on villain to like have a hand here to be able to put the money in and go broke which i do think they would bet the flop flop with like you know queen 10 right? Queen 10 of diamonds or queen jack of clubs, right? So like basically over cards with gut shots that have very little equity against our exact hand. Um, they could also bluff on four flush runouts because I would imagine that their perception would be that, um, you know, we're going to check raise a lot when we have like the ace of spades, king of hearts or something right. like that, right? right? So basically calling um, just gives them room to put more money in with weaker hands whereas raising uh makes it to where they need to have something right and i'm not exactly sure what that something would be on this board um a set of eights a set of deuces uh you know they need to have like ace queen with the ace of spades themselves 
um, something like that. I doubt they're just happy to get it in with like even ace queen with the queen of spades because you know that hand could be dominated by ace king with the ace of spades. So actually, the more I think about this spot, the more I just am really leaning towards calling and not raising. Right. So basically what you're saying here is <clears throat> if I check raised and somehow all the money got in uh, for me to be ahead, it would have to be a massive cooler on the flop, like a set over set situation. Um, you know, maybe like ace queen with ace of spades doesn't even bet the flop, you know, at full frequency. Maybe that hand checks back, um, hoping to realize equity and not get check raised. Um, but on the flip side, I think ace queen with like the ace of spades probably is just going to barrel off. Uh, probably just going to bet the flop at the turn jam river when they yeah. don't improve. Yeah. That's something that I didn't mention um, in my thought process was that we do give the button an option, uh, the, the option to just bomb, you know, whatever, maybe they just go crazy with like, not even a hand with equity. Maybe just, they just take King queen of diamonds and, you know, just rocket it off thinking, thinking that my check call range can't handle, can't handle playing for all the money. Yeah. So I'm, a big fan of calling here and, and not raising. I think nice. just calling feels like the way to go. Wow. Uh, I've made it two streets and everything has been approved. I feel like that's <laughs> now we're on the turn, the Jack of diamonds. Um, I, I think like basically once we've established our plan, uh, sort of don't want to ruin the rest of the hand, but we, we need to stick to the program, right? Like once you've, decided to go this route of check calling so that villain can put money in with all of the weakest hands in their range that I don't think like raising on the turn makes a lot of sense because mm. again, we want King queen of hearts to just, you know, ship it on the river and they don't have much equity. Right. Right. Um, and, and also like the Jack of diamonds has also downgraded our top set. You know, there are, you know, queen 10 now is very much a hand that I wouldn't be surprised to see stab the flop, you know, all the queen tens. And, you know, if this guy does somehow call the three bet with, with a hand like 10, seven, like that has now improved as well. Also another hand that I would expect to stab the flop quite frequently. So it's not like, you know, the Jack of diamonds is some great, great card for our top set. Yeah. And it freezes queen Jack as well. Like, so like if queen Jack stab the flop and they turn a Jack, they're probably not betting the turn and, mm -hmm. you know, King Jack or ace Jack too, if villain did stab the flop with those, uh, I would say, um, another thing that the listener may be asking themselves is, you know, shouldn't we protect versus like the nut flush draw? Um, and, and I think like the reality is like one thing when villain has a flush, you're going to get stacked pretty much no matter what you do. Like when villain flops to not flush in this situation, a three butt pot when they're in position and you have top set, like they just get the money, like they get the prize, right? So we've already conceded our stack versus all those category of hands. So really now the question to ask is how do we um, also allow villain to put all the money in with all of its lower category of hands, right? And the best way is by seeding initiative and letting them put the money in. And if they do have like ace queen with the ace of spades, then we just take the risk of calling and if they make a flush, they make a flush and they get our stack. And if they don't, um, which they won't more often than they will, then we're going to get their stack a lot of the time. So that's really how to line up um, all the comparisons, I think. Uh, I want to I want to just add on to, to that point, because I think it's it's really uh, that's definitely a question that I think a lot of people will, will have is like, shouldn't we protect, you know, a, a pretty strong hand from uh, some some poor runouts that can happen that can very easily happen. Um, and I, I think I would like challenge people who want to do that to 
you know, protect top set to think about like what that does to your check call range. If you are check raising a hand like top set, um, you know, one of the first points that I made on the flop was like having a protected um, check calling range that can just call down. And if you're raising a hand like top set, suddenly you're, you're, you know, presumably you're raising flushes as well, or maybe, you know, maybe people are slightly happier to trap with flushes, but um, that suddenly makes your check call range extremely, extremely weak. And you're probably don't have any hands that want to play for all the money. If you're, you know, check raising these sorts of hands. Right. Which makes somebody who has like king queen of hearts here, if that's the way that you're playing, uh, just totally in the right bet, bet jamming, because right. they're just going to fold out the majority of your hands. Cause you just mm-hmm. don't have strong enough hands when you call, call. Um, so yeah, uh, basically with all of that said, you go ahead and call the turn. Villain bet 126 and 182. They've got 300 behind. Turn was a jack of diamonds. The river is a six of hearts, which is a proper brick, I think. The six is not likely to improve very much. Um, 435 in the pot. You check. Villain jams and you call. Just really not much to talk about, I think, on the turn in the river. We had our plan. Stick to your plan on future streets. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so in my opinion, you played the hand perfectly and your reward for playing the hand perfectly is you lose your stack to the flop nut flush. Congratulations. Damn, I'm playing great today. <laughs> yeah, boy, this fist bump. Um, and I mean, that's just the way that poker works. You play a hand well and you get uh, for your reward just slapped. Minus 500. Yep. Minus 500. Uh, you have to call the chip doctor to... <laughs> help you out um this second hand after the break want to set it up a little bit what, what's what's going on with the second hand you're um similar situation go have a make a very strong hand like like as i did in this hand and had the same question as to whether it's better to raise or kind of slow play and have a protected calling range um yeah, yeah that's, that's St- stick it. around uh, let's see if john makes his 500 back as a reward for playing this hand so well The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Free Flop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. John, I wanted to ask you why you decided to invest in a preflop bootcamp. Everything that you had done with me to that point, or I had heard you do, had impressed me. I loved the podcast. I accidentally ended up in the poker power hour and loved that. And then I took coaching and then you recommended the boot camp. And at first I didn't think it was, you know, something that would be that valuable. But I was like, everything else has been amazing. So I signed up and then it just blew me away. And what about bootcamp blew you away? Like it started off slow. Like I'm learning these ranges and I'm not even understanding what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, as I start to understand what we're doing with the three bets, the four bets, 
all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh my God, how do I not know this stuff? This is amazing. The more I studied them, I started to understand why they were constructed sometimes. Like I'd be like, that's why that's like that. And that would lead to more revelations and just a better understanding of poker in general. Do you have any interesting takeaways from your boot camp experience? The most interesting thing about the boot camp, it's a pre-flop boot camp, but I feel like it's done as much for my post game as it did for my pre-game, just because I'm not in as many awkward and bad situations as I found myself in. You know, when we were doing coaching before the boot camp, we couldn't get through 10, 15 minutes of tape without finding mistake after mistake. And then once we did the boot camp, it solved problems on the back end as well. I know you've studied for a thousand hours this year. How do you think boot camp compares to your other poker study? Oh, it's crazy. The boot camp is probably the most important thing I've done all year out of everything. I would give anything to go back and to, to know that stuff 10 years ago. I can't imagine how successful I'd be right now if I had known that stuff. And I thought the boot camp was so valuable that I literally insisted you take more money from me and paid you more for the boot camp because I was blown away. I just thought the price was too cheap. And it's changed my game in ways that I, I can't even explain to you. If you'd like to join the next round of Preflop Bootcamp, which starts on the last Saturday of every month, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp to lock up your spot. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. All right. Welcome back from the break we got this second hand which is shockingly you know we didn't lead in with this but shockingly it's it's king queen off uh, i know the longtime tactical tuesday listeners are shocked to see this hand you having questions about how to play but here we are when, one of these off. days Old when friend. can you when, when are you just going to learn how to play this hand well and we can like <laughs> hey who knows how this hand turned out maybe i played this hand well yeah that's that's true um this is like this is your jacks. Um, yeah, yeah, my personal jacks. King yeah, your, your personal jacks. Yeah. So. I just thirty exit pre with this hand when I'm <laughs> playing live. And... Yeah, I hate this hand. You turn yeah. it over. <laughs> off. Oh, I can't play it for nothing. Everyone's scratching their heads. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to my podcast. You'll you'll understand. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're playing five hundred NL once again. I, I don't know if it's. Uh, zoom i don't know if it's regular uh this one looks like it's not zoom based okay. on the replayer all right so regular regular today yeah um villain opens to 15 from the small blind everybody folds looks like the villain is a reg uh, both of you have about 100 big blinds effective i assume that you three bet 245 and villain calls so Everything pretty standard up to this point. There's 90 in the pot. Flop is king, queen, nine, all hearts. So you flop top two pair on another monotone board. Uh, about 462 behind, villain checks. And I guess we'll start here with this first decision point on the flop. Same story as the last flop. Um, and maybe monotone flops could honestly even be a secondary theme to this. Um, Going to be playing pretty tight. Uh, 
not only is this flop monotone, but there is a straight available on King Queen Nine. Um, I think you know a hand like a set, like in the last hand, is one that I would think about betting. King Queen top two is even kind of getting down to the point where I, I am not very excited about putting money in on the flop. Um, one of the benefits though is that we are in position. Also, King Queen kind of like a set can improve to a hand that can beat both a flush and a boat. So it's not the end of the world if we get check raised. Uh, that being said, I would still hate to get check raised. Yeah, and leave it to you to to find a theme for the episodes and three bet pots <laughs> on monotone flops. This this is like <laughs> so obvious. <laughs> and here we are on should should I raise or should I not raise? Oh, but that that's 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 what thing. I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my own questions answered on this. Um, yeah, you decide to check back the flop. Uh, as you said, I, I think checking back the flop is reasonable on this board. Um, I think betting the flop is also reasonable. Um, so I think you could go either way. And if you did bet, uh, would generally be betting small. Yeah. Um, so betting a third if you did bet, but you, mm-hmm. you do decide to check behind. So we get to the turn. The turn is a card that we're okay. We're now okay Man, I wish putting, I bet the flop. putting money in. Um, the queen of diamonds. So now you have a full house. Uh, the board is king, queen, nine, queen. You have king, queen. So unless villain has a straight flush, we're, we're in the clear. Um, villain stabs what looks to be a half pot size bet. And so now we're at uh, really the second important decision point here of whether yeah. or not to raise, whether or not to call the turn bet. Yeah, so uh, this is like, I think the question for me here is like, is it better to just try to get all the money in somehow? Um, if I call here, um, I guess like jamming the river is is still an option um, over a bet or if he checks. Um, I think one of the benefits of calling here is that we, like, we can trap bluffs that might just be barreling off. Um, I think one of the benefits to raising is that, you know, we sort of just really ensure that stacks go in and that, you know, maybe there's some hands that um, stack off right now, but don't stack off on, you know, let's say a heart river or like a king or queen river where the board double pairs um, or, or, trips were like trips out with a queen um so yeah my question here was just is it better to raise or is it better to call and you know hope to put more money in on the river later yeah i think this hand is a little bit different than the last one because in the last one i felt like villain had a lot of incentive to put money in with their bluffs in -hmm. this one when you check back the flop and call the turn i think they have much less incentive to continue bombing with their lower equity hands um, because you're just going to have a lot of like king jack king 10 uh aces ace king yeah. um, or even just queen x that's like queen really x, never ace, folding. ace queen queen jack yeah. queen 10 like you're going to check back all these hands on the flop typically so you just have like uh what's look what's seen as a, a stronger range from villain yeah. which basically makes uh, reduces the incentive for them to just blast away and put a ton of money in the pot mm-hmm. um so i think the value of trapping future bets is less here i would say that yeah raising the turn is just kind of odd right like i think when you raise the turn you have to go like really small is what i would think to mm-hmm. at least plant the seed of like you can be raising turn small to check behind river um something along those lines and i also think that like villain's probably gonna perceive if we raise the turn um small 
that we probably have like less uh, nut flushes mm. um, in our range. So, and, and mostly like ace queen would be like facing a click on the turn. It's like, oh, this villain has like queen jack, queen ten, ace queen. And, yeah. you know, they're trying to check get, back the river. They're going to check back the river. They're going to get money in now, like after they've turned trips. So, um, villain can, yeah, they can still jam like hands that, you know, like a jack 10 or like a flush, yeah. um, maybe even like an ace jack or ace 10 with the ace of hearts if they so chose. Yeah. So essentially click in, in an attempt to pretend that we're like trying to stunt the action. Yeah. I mean, I think that first of all, really clicking is like probably your preferred raise size on the turn. If you do raise, it's mm-hmm. like very, very small because mm-hmm. you don't have a ton of bluffs. So mm-hmm. like, I think that raising small in the turn is just like preferred anyway. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it, I, I think raising here is probably better than just calling. Gotcha. Yeah. I hope I raise small. I don't remember what size I, ugh, uh, looks like big. you went three X. Yeah. Um, and I think when you go, when you go three X, like now you're really relying on villain to have a hand that they mm-hmm. want to put the money in with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is going to have to be a hand that beats, ace queen typically yeah. i would think right um and villain just goes ahead and puts some money in so easy game you, we just <laughs> guess the raise size didn't matter I, I was so you know what's actually i think a really good point about raising smaller here is that when i raised here i did not expect to get jammed on very often i thought mm-hmm. like that there if they did continue it'd be with a call and like my first thought when they jammed was like wow i didn't expect this wait does he have a straight flush? So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, probably that's probably a good, you know, a good yeah, indication yeah. that I should be raising to a different size. Yeah, yeah. When your first thought is like, holy shit, they put money. Do they have a straight flush? Like, what am I missing here? <laughs> um, that That is a good cue of like, wow, I made it to where if they bet three bet, I'm actually concerned about running into a straight flush. Maybe, yeah. maybe I, I should have raised smaller. Right, right. Um, but yeah, if they have a straight flush, well, God bless them. Um, I hope they don't because we'll be breaking down King Queen offsuits for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we got it back. We got the money back from the first hand. They flopped a straight. So they had the Jack 10 of spades, um, and then just ripped the turn. How do you feel about their rip of the turn? Yeah, that was actually, I was going to ask you the same question. It was like, do you think that's what they should have done or should they have just called and called the river should they have folded like i don't know i think it's a really nasty spot for them i mean i i could kind of understand why they would raise because if you do have like a queen and your plan is to like check behind then it's pretty sad just letting you raise and then check behind with your ace queen and then jam when you have like a boat Mm -hmm. and they lose or the nut flush or something right so maybe jamming is like their only way of getting called by worse hands or you having worse hands in your range um when the money goes in so like i i think jamming is probably better than calling um then we have the question of like is just folding better than calling and i don't know the answer to that like I, i think it's i think folding is probably better than i think folding is probably better than jamming I think a secondary question when it comes to jamming here is like, does he expect me to stack off with a naked queen? Ace queen with the ace of hearts. I don't know. Who knows? It's like, 
Like, I would feel terrible about putting all the money in with Ace Queen with the Ace of Like, I, I had a boat and I was like a little bit <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, from their perspective, it doesn't feel good anything they do, right? Like, right. Oh, I yeah. just did flop check through the queen paired on the turn. I just bet fold. Like, that feels awful. Uh, bet calling feels awful and bet jamming feels awful. So basically, they just get to feel. Should they check? Should, should we check with the Jack 10 on the turn then? Is that like um, the way out? It could be the way out. But I think like one thing that they probably thought or banked on was that you wouldn't be checking back sets or two pair on the flop. So yeah, or flushes. Or flushes, right? So like you don't have a ton of boats in their opinion. Like basically they have the best hand almost always mm-hmm. on the turn is what they're thinking, right? Which by the way, kids, this is why you check back top two pair or top set on these types of boards so that you know, villains can't just immediately deduce that you don't have boats when the board pairs. Mm. Um, so I, I would guess that like that was probably what they were thinking is like, yeah. I just yeah. don't think this player, I don't think people check back sets often enough or, or um, two pair or flushes. So I'm just like purely betting for value. Then when they got raised, they probably just got stuck on that first thought that they had and couldn't get out of it where it's right. like, Oh, well they don't have flushes. They don't have boats. So they just have ace queen. Like, okay, I guess I just stick the money in. Right. Um, so yeah, mm. to answer your question, I think in general, betting Jack 10 is probably okay. Just because for all the reasons that I said, we we can kind of bank on that because most players don't. Um, However, the more sophisticated opponents that you're playing against, I think it's uh, wiser to, yeah, probably check the Jack-10. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy to think about that. Like, you're on the flop got checked through, you have a straight, and it's still not really, it's not a great spot to to put money in on the turn. Yeah, the more value that the in-position player has in their range the less you want to be putting money in with hands like straights when, you know, there's a flush available and now boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good hand, man. Good stuff. Way to, way to get it back. Now you're break even for hey. this week's episode of tactical yeah. Tuesday. Um, all right. So that's going to wrap it up. Head to greatnessvillage.com. Like I said, we have a new tactical Tuesday discussion thread and channel. If you're into um, asking questions or maybe even, Uh, providing us with some ideas for concepts of future episodes and also to check out the details for the meetup game that's happening in Vegas. Uh, Head to greatnessvillage.com, opt in, get in there, and uh, that's all I got for this week. Yeah, see you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.